This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com Welcome. And today, I am delighted to have Amita Patel. Amita is the owner and founder of Align Holistics, as seen on CBS and NBC. Align Holistics is a coaching service company empowering individuals to create a life they love from a place of self-love instead of self-discipline. Her unique approach combines nutrition, physical activity, relationships, and personal philosophy. Amita, welcome. Hi, Kellen. How are you? I'm doing great. So happy to have you. I've read your story, and I was so moved by it that uh, I wanted you to bring you on because there are stories like yours that really resonates with people because a lot of people want to reach their finish line, but they have these mental blocks. So if we could, if we could kind of backtrack, kind of give the audience uh, kind of a, a summary on kind of your journey. So I, uh, I grew up in a suburb outside of New York City in a family that really valued high achievement. I mean, I'm, I'm not usually a fan of stereotypes, but I did come in many ways from a stereotypical Indian family, you know, where, where this idea that success is this external thing you have to pursue. You know, you need straight A's and an esteemed job that you can brag about and and all those trappings of success without actually feeling happy. It was really about your resume more than what you felt inside. And there was really this value of seeking happiness outside of yourself. And so not all that surprisingly, I, I developed pretty severe depression starting at about 14. And you know, any type of medication, whether it's antidepressants, mood stabilizers, sleep aids, ADD drugs, you name it, I took it. I remember um, by the end of high school counting, and I had been on over 90 different medications. And wow. it, was ins- it was freaking insane, you know? We had one medication that would counteract the side effects of another, and it just got to be this crazy balancing game. And wow. And, and my family's approach was really to fix things with pills. I mean, they, were, they are both doctors, and it seemed easier to throw a quick fix, like a pill at it, rather than really work through some of the deeper issues, which, I mean, on one level I can understand, but certainly uh, it was not a long-term solution. And so let's stop right there. Sure. Uh, what was the thing that triggered your depression? I believe you say you, know, you started having depression like when you was like I think you said twelve or fourteen years old. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? What was it? Was it the fact that your parents were so hard on you being successful? Was it you being in school? Or what was the underlying condition that really triggered your depression and had and had you to result to a medication? That, that expressing yourself really wasn't something that was allowed in my culture or something that was encouraged so unique or different rather than that being something that's explored or validated was was really just shut down and this idea of I mean I'm specifically telling my parents you know I think I think I'm depressed like coming to them at about 14 and saying guys you know I, I think I'm depressed and and their response was to say you know you're not depressed you're just sad 
So rather than exploring the feelings, it was really just shut down more and more. And and it culminated, and I, I believe at 14 was the first time that I ever cut myself. And I don't think, I think that was a huge turning point, certainly, when I sort of had to wake up and say, okay, you know, my parents are wrong. There is something significant, like seriously wrong with me. Um, but in terms of really what caused it, I'd say it's, it's a bunch of factors all put together. Um, my not really getting a chance to explore who I am certainly, certainly impacted my self-esteem and self-concept and, and who I really thought I was in the world. Very pop. I think that's very common, especially, uh, you know, Indian culture, the Asian culture. At least she was able to be vocal about the problems she was going through. Uh, there are sometimes a lot of teenagers, they would suppress it. They won't tell their parents because they think, well, you know, they don't understand. You know, they would never get it. And they usually suppress that. And sometimes, as you stated, you know, people result to cutting themselves, a result to committing suicide because uh, they never was vocal about their true feelings. So uh, it's, it's good that, you know, a person like yourself, and I would encourage other to, to be vocal in general because it's important to always uh, to be heard because sometimes you just oppressed it and you kind of have no outlet uh, it can cause lots of danger so let's 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 go from uh, let's go from the point where you were in high school okay let's talk about that experience and what was going you know what was going through your mind what, what was your challenges I think it was so difficult and and I often joke that I would not be ready to return to high school until I'm like 50 and well adjusted <laughs> but um I'd say that that a big piece of, or the biggest challenge I think for me was having all these diagnoses which I thought on some level really comforted me, like there's an explanation for what's wrong with me, but on the other side of things really just made me feel like I was broken or flawed or, or something was wrong with me. And, and so going through high school and having to navigate through a system that was not not very understanding of my needs was was really difficult. I think I went to a very competitive, um, you know, overachieving private school. Um, I have an older brother who is absolutely wonderful, who went to the same school as me, and we were very often compared. Um, and and I think that was really challenging for me. So so not surprisingly, high school was really difficult, both in terms of you know, the, the impact of the depression on me academically by the end of high school and, and certainly socially, you know, I think I, I became more and more isolated as I stopped having an outlet to connect with people or, or feel understood. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's very important. In high school, I was very uh, uh, I, I'm an introvert myself. Uh, I was very quiet, and uh, I, I didn't really connect with a lot of people uh, in high school. I did play on a basketball team, but outside of that, uh, I was very much to myself. So I can definitely understand, and and also too, it's very common. Uh, a lot of times, families they will always try to because that's trophies. Like, look at my kids. Like, like my kids is the example that I'm successful because my kids are successful. So then, if you're not successful, it kind of it kind of makes them look bad. It's kind of mindset of status, and and basically uh, everything that's connected to status has to be good. So if a parent has a, has a son, well, if their father's successful, well, their son has to be just as successful. I'm quite sure you experienced that a lot as you as you talked about in high school, as you was being compared uh, to your brother. Now, um, I think that there's an element of that certainly, but I think more than that, it's this idea of we know what's going to make you happy and that you know where your attention goes is certainly what where your energy flows or what you're going to see more and more of so 
So their idea was really that if you focus less on your emotions and more on these these things that culturally make us seem successful, that that perhaps things would work themselves out. So I, while I hear what you're saying, and to a certain degree, I agree with that. I think in my family, it was more that they felt that they knew what was best for me. And while I certainly disagree with many of their methods, you know, it came from a place of love rather than their own egos. I see. You know what? You know what? That makes sense because uh, a lot of parents do think that they know what's best for their child, and they'll tell, "Well, this is what we're going to do. We're your parents, so you're going to go to this school. You're going to study that." So let's kind of talk about as you went to college. Uh, you went to New York University, a very prestigious school. Um, now. Did your parents sort of like, did they pick their major, did they pick the major for you? Did they say, well... Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, I, I first, I did an undergrad degree at, um, at Manhattanville, and then I did my first master's at NYU, and now my second master's at NYU. Um, I guess I'm, I'm stuck here, but, uh, you know, for undergrad, I think there was a lot more letting me choose my own path. Uh, I think they had given up on the idea that I would be a doctor long before that, and, <laughs> and so luckily I really was able to sort of begin exploring who I was outside of my family. And I think that was a really positive experience for me. Right. So after graduating from high school and going to college, were you still on the medication? Or was you kind of slowly getting off of it? Where was you at then? Um, I was still on the medication until my early 20s. So throughout college, I was still on medication. You know, there, there'd be times where it would be more than others, certainly. And, and when you're dealing with multiple medications at once, there's usually some form of a side effect balancing game where you'll take, for instance, you know, if you're taking a sleep aid, you'll take something the next morning to get going. Or if you're taking an upper, you'll take some sort of a mood stabilizer, you might require an antidepressant, you know, depending on, on really which, what sort of issues you might be having. So there was certainly quite a bit of that um, and it and it increased and decreased so at that point you was taking about five plus drugs um, you know at any point while the time I was medicated it might have ranged from you know two minimum to at least six wow. um, consistently and then there are times when certainly with some medications you take as needed so for instance for a panic attack you might take a, a medication just at that time as opposed to a general anxiety medication that one might take any every day. I see, I see. I just want to take a moment to tell you about DreamHost. DreamHost.com is the award-winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code CALLEN, K A. L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com. PC's Magazine. Best web hosting service. So you got your first master's degree in, in what? What major was that? Um, I did my first master's in fundraising and philanthropy. And, and I began a career in that. I loved it. I was working at healthcare and human rights organizations. And I loved being able to help others and make a difference. Um, the last organization I was at was very emotionally draining and I felt like I wasn't really getting to make a difference in the way I wanted and that those mission moments were so few and far between that it wasn't really worth 
the anxiety and stress that working in a human rights organization was causing. I think that's important uh, because a recent Gallup poll has showed that only 30% of Americans uh, actually like their jobs. So, uh, so I think that's very important to actually be engaged and really love what you do, to be passionate about it. And uh, so I guess that led you to go to to go back to school, and you got your sex match degree. And what was this one? So I am currently you know, transitioning out of being a coach and into a therapist. So at that time, I got a coaching certification um, oh, I and really wanted to, to begin entering this field, but making sure that, that you know, before I begin another master's or another PhD or anything like that, that this was really the field I'd wanted to be in. And I'd always been interested in mental health, but you know, having struggled with it as a teenager, I had at the time been told that it was going to be something I would have forever or that it was going to be too overwhelming to deal with my own issues and other people's. And so I had sort of turned away from that career um, maybe a bit after college, in between college and grad school. So I decided that, you know, if I'm unhappy at my job, now is the time to really explore and decide what I want because I'd rather you know, do this and then go back to my job if it doesn't work out rather than waiting until I'm 50 and decide then that this isn't what I want. So I did a coaching certification and began, you know, having a mentor who was a PhD in the field of clinical social work really guide me and teach me, you know, how to create a methodology, how to really work with clients. And, and it was, it's been fantastic and I loved it. And, you know, coaching, while I think is amazing, it's, it doesn't give me the opportunity to go as deeply as I'd want. And, you know, it's an unregulated field. And, and I felt like to be able to serve in the way and on the level I wanted, I needed to go back and, and really become a therapist. So that's where I'm at now, you know, pursuing this degree and, and getting to work with such amazing people in the process. I see. So um, I would assume that uh, once you started uh, in, uh, your, your certification at the Institute for in Integrative Nutrition, that's probably when you, I guess, learned more about health and slowly uh, when, uh, got, off, got, got off the prescription drugs? In my mid-20s or so, I would started realizing that I was just done with medication. I had undergone... Um, um, some traumatic issues that, that really impacted my relationship with the medication itself and decided that, uh, that it wasn't really a place for a person or a pill to fix me, that there just had to be another way. And I was the last person in the world at that point who you would have thought would try holistic anything. But as I began to embrace it and started feeling better, I had decided that I just didn't need the meds anymore. So. I, I had weaned myself off of it, you know, with the help of a doctor and decided that this just wasn't the path for me. And as I began, you know, exercising more and eating cleaner, I started to feel better. And and at that point, I was probably in my uh, early to mid-20s and I was uh, still working in fundraising at the time. I see. I see. Great. So now let's talk about, because uh, you, you're, also, you're also a writer. Right? You write for Huffington Post. You write for Lifehack. You write for Money, Mind, Body, Green. Uh, where did your love for writing come in? Because uh, you know, usually, usually a lot of people they write and then eventually they, they may write for a month or so and then they stopped. You know, like like you mm -hmm. really have to have a love and passion for writing in order to do it on a on a, on a continuing a continuous basis. Um, how did you start? How did you start off with that? What was, what was the first publication you read for? Talk about that. Sure. Um, you know, as as any successful entrepreneur knows. 
you don't get to where you are without having a mentor or a community or, or somebody to look up to and ask. And I was very lucky to have that. And, um, you know, one of the, the biggest marketing things that everybody says is, you know, start, start writing, start having a blog, have some content that you're producing that's your own that really sells your vision and, and explores who you are and being, being able to connect to others that way. So I began my blog and it was, it was such a great experience to be able to write in the way I want, you know, cursing as much as I want, write about whatever topics I want. And, and it was the first opportunity, you know, coming from fundraising or any other field where you are sharing somebody else's vision and, and having to present yourself a certain way. This was the first time I really felt like I got to do it on my own terms and share whatever side of me that I wanted. Um, so as I began, you know, writing my blog and looking at it as a marketing move, um, you know, doing that consistently every week, or at that point, I think I was doing it twice a week. Um, I, I really discovered my own voice and discovered that I loved writing. Um, and then, and to answer your question, I believe the first, I think I had written for a few small guest posts for, for other wellness sites initially. And it wasn't until I wrote for Mind Body Green that, that my writing sort of took off. I wrote a very, very personal and honest piece about my life and because of that that's how Huffington Post and other places began contacting me and you know the more the more I would write for other places the, the more that would just expand interesting very interesting yeah I know a lot of writers uh, who love to write for that site but uh, but uh, usually I guess it's not as common for people to be contacted by that as opposed to them I guess going through that submission portal which uh, which 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 the editor that I know uh, who, who also writes for them says that uh, they get like 40,000 submissions a day and <laughs> Was that also the time that you started Align Holistics? So, was was you was you building Align Holistics in your blog concurrently? Yes. So, when I started my company is when I started the blog. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, um, now I'm quite sure after or after the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, that's probably that you went in the direction of starting your own coaching service company. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Now, now talk about that because I see you got I see you got pick, picked up by CBS. Uh, talk about the as talk about the kind of journey of building your business because I think a lot of entrepreneurs they have the problem. They say, "Okay, I'm right. I, I have a blog. No one's reading it. I'm doing it for like you know six, twelve, eighteen months. No one's reading. It. I'm not getting comments." Um, kind of talk about kind of how you found success like what was some of your I mean if you could I, I, I mean I know that could be a whole nother episode but if you could, <laughs> if you could what was some key things that helped your blog uh, uh, help your blog took off that allow you to get opportunities uh, getting featured on NBC and CBS sure um, so you know one of the biggest things I'd say is create content that's unique to you and it's it's so easy as writers or as any but any entrepreneur to, to feel like, well, everything's already been done before. Um, but I honestly think that putting your personal spin on it, having things really be in your genuine voice creates that relationship with your readers. Um, you know, they often say, write as though you're writing to one individual person rather than a mass. Um, and I think that's, that's very important and very true, is that if your blog can 
rather than a, a marketing move, really explain who you are, your view, and, and maybe even be entertaining if at all possible. Uh, that's what's going to help people to find value in your work. You know, and then I, I totally hear the, oh, there's not enough traffic to the site conversation. I mean, I definitely have had other coaches reach out to me and I've had this conversation so many times and it's all about you know guest posting for other people has been really helpful for me using social media to create conversations getting to know other people in the field and building those relationships has been a really really huge aspect of I think what's made me successful so let's again let's talk about that that CBS and NBC feature. You know, how did you brought that up? Because a lot of people love to get on TV, but that's one challenge that people uh, people have because they think that maybe they need to have a uh, they'd have a certain pitch or maybe a certain approach to go about it. What was what was your approach of getting on those interviews? Yeah, I think that actually came from. Well, let me back up for one second and say that I think a lot of times when we're trying to make it. We, we don't necessarily focus on service. We're focused on what can I get out of this relationship as opposed to what can I give. And at the time, you know, when I was doing the CBS thing, I, I had my own company, but I wanted to, to really learn from other entrepreneurs. So I was doing an internship at that point, supporting another entrepreneur with their, their marketing, their social media, and all that good stuff. And because of that relationship, when when she had been pitched something that was not something she'd experienced with, she passed it on to me. Um, so I think that really creating those relationships and focusing on how you can serve others, you just never know where that's going to go. Absolutely. Um, what's one of your favorite ways in order to uh, create and build relationships? Uh, do you do you go to meetup groups? Do you uh, uh, put a lot of time in LinkedIn? Uh, what's your approach? I honestly hate networking and I know that's a horrible thing to say but I just don't like it. I find it awkward. It's super important. I wish I didn't dislike it this much but the truth is I really, really do. Um, for me, it's it's been reaching out to honestly the contacts I already had which was super surprising because you know, someone suggested go through your Facebook friends and see who who could possibly you know help you or support you and I thought to myself that's ridiculous I already know what everybody on my Facebook friends was doing like that's pointless but I was really surprised to find that people who I hadn't spoken to since I was a kid you know were huge in the industry and and maybe not in the exact same way maybe they were doing you know nutrition or maybe they were doing holistic beauty whatever it might be but um but they really helped. Everybody knows somebody, and, and looking at your network as it is right now, I thought was really helpful for me. Um, and then other than that, honestly, using social media, especially Twitter for me personally, um, I know a lot of people are really Instagram right now. That's just that's just not my strength. So picking picking at least one form of social media that you can commit to and build a community in, I think is really, really important. Amita, if people want to contact you, uh, how would it get a hold of you? Great. I can be reached at my website, alignholistics.com. All right. Mita, thank you for being our guest. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen and Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. 
go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.